Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How's it going, everybody? Good? Yeah, you had a good week so far? Yes? Are you happy to be in church tonight? Yeah, I'm happy to be in church tonight. There's, there, you know, the best place that we can be is the place that God has assigned us to be. Right? That's where, uh, you know, if uh, I, I was just looking at a quote, uh, actually, online. Someone uh, put it on, on Instagram, and I saw it, and it was a Smith Wigglesworth quote. And they said, if you will go after the, I'm paraphrasing here, so don't fault me if I get it, you know, I miss a few words. But basically the gist of what he was saying is, if you go after the plan of God with all of your heart, God will ensure that you are in the right place at the right time. And uh, when we come to church, you know, we're going after God's plan. Because people that come into the local church to receive the word, those are people that value what God desires for them. Because that's what we do when we come to church. We hear about the will of God. Amen? Amen. About his plan for our lives. And so I trust that everyone in the room would say, would agree with this statement, that we love God's plan. And we want more of his best in our lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, Pastor Craig and Pastor Jenny send their greetings to you all tonight. We've heard from them. And already their trip has been lovely. Uh, they said as soon as they stepped foot on the soil in the Philippines, there was a tangible anointing that came on them. And so much so that uh, Sister Mary Chris began to weep under the presence of God. And Pastor Ruby was there and she also began to weep under the presence of God. And it was just a, it was a holy moment for them. And uh, they've had a wonderful time so far. They've uh, gotten to spend some time in prayer. And I know even today, well, yesterday for them, today for us, I don't know how all that works, you know. So, again, I don't, I don't know what day it was. But the last time they were awake, um, they, they got to get into prayer together. And there were some impartations that uh, Brother Nigel and Sister Mary Chris received. And, and um, you know, we're so, we're so grateful. It was so important that this trip happened and that they got uh, their feet on the soil. Because already it's been fruitful. And so we're so grateful for that. Thank you for praying for Pastor Craig and Pastor Jennings, for the team. I want to encourage you all to keep praying for them uh, because uh, the trip's not over yet and there's much more to accomplish still. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Craig has given me the great honor of ministering to you all tonight. Um, I'm so sorry that you, uh, <laughs> so for, uh, you were like, oh, uh, you know, Pastor Craig's bringing all these guest ministers. I hope it's somebody good. Sorry, just me. <laughs> Just me. So, uh, no, I'm teasing. Uh, it, it is a great honor to be able to stand before you and present God's word to his people. It's our answer. And so I'm looking for answers for my life tonight. Are you looking for answers for yours? Amen. Well, how about you turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, the first uh, scripture we're going to go to is Philippians chapter 1. If you would be so kind. Philippians chapter 1 um, and verse 9. Philippians 1, verse 9. Uh, a few weeks ago, many of you will have heard if, if you uh, um, pay attention to our beloved announcements. But uh, we, uh, uh, we were talking about, um, we were relaunching the young adults uh, ministry. And, and God had given uh, me some instruction about what he wanted us to do differently with the young adults. Just to put an emphasis on... Uh, connection and, and, and different things like that. And so I was, I remember it was sometime in January, I was sitting uh, in my chair and Pastor Craig was ministering and the Lord spoke a scripture to me, which we're going to get to tonight. But uh, 
this, uh, what we're talking about tonight is the power of company. And I had ministered it uh, to the young adults because I believe that there are, su- there are things that we don't get from God because we don't understand the value of being together with our company. You know, we gather around the word, we come to church, and, and, and I think a lot of people, uh, let's put it this way. If everyone understood the power of company that was just connected to Pastor Craig and Pastor Jenny, this building would be full to the brim. And I'm not talking about when there's, you know, restrictions and whatever. I'm talking about just in general. When we, every time we have service, every time uh, that uh, we meet together, if everyone truly understood the power of coming together with our company, this, there, would be no, uh, there would be no room at every service. Now, that's, you know, I'm not trying to say that anybody who's not here doesn't understand because there are some people, of course, that have work things, they have stuff that come up in their lives, and we understand that. I'm not being legalistic here. But what I am saying is that there is a principle here that we see in Scripture, that when the believers gathered together, uh, things happened. The power of God moved on their behalf. And uh, I, I think... I, I do believe this with all of my heart, that we know that this move of God, Brother Hagen told us that what, somebody asked him what God was doing and God spoke to him. He said, I am raising up strong local churches that will flow in the word and the spirit. And if God said that to Brother Hagen as an emphasis in this time that we're in, it's because God intends to move in local churches. Local churches need to be taught how to flow with the word and the spirit. And then when we're taught and we become skillful, then God can move in greater measure. And then we'll see greater movement, greater demonstrations out in the world. Right. But God's endeavoring to awaken his church. And so I I think stuff like this, we hear a lot around here because we're well taught. Our pastors have taught us well about gathering together. They've taught us well about uh, valuing the office of the pastor and the local church. So you're not going to hear anything new tonight, but there, there are things that we have to um, refresh ourselves in, yes. right? Because it's very easy to let things slip or to get in a rut of routine or to get familiar with things. Oh, well, I've been at this church for 70 million years, you know, and, and that's, and it's great. That's wonderful that we've been faithful for so long, but if we're not careful, we can lose sight of what it really is that we're doing. And if we lose sight of that, then we won't lay hold of God's best for us. Amen. So Philippians chapter one, if you will, and uh, we're going to start in verse nine. This is one of the Pauline prayers. Uh, and uh, we pray this regularly for our congregation, for our families, for Pastor Craig and Pastor Jenny. But it's good for us. Uh, there's, of course, something I want to I grab hold of here. In the King James, it says, And this I pray, that your love may abound, yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Aren't you grateful that the Holy Spirit will help our love to abound? <laughs> You know, because uh, I don't know about you, maybe you all are perfect in this, but I know for me, my love uh, can run out sometimes. Right? Right? Oh, you got quiet. No, see, you all are, you are perfect in this. I'm so sorry. But, um, you know, thank God that the Holy Spirit within us has love that abounds more and more and more. And we can turn to him to help us to love when it's difficult for us, when human love runs out. Amen? Amen. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Verse 10, that you may approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, 
When you approve things that are excellent, offense will be a thing of the past. Right? When, you're, when, you're, uh, when you contend for God's best, when you contend for his standard in your life, offense becomes just something that is, is in the rearview mirror. It's not something that we deal with. And then verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Let's look at that in the Amplified Classic. It says, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight, that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. In verse 10, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve in prize what is excellent and of real value. You know, I was thinking about this verse and one of the things that we can make note of here is Paul was praying this prayer for the Philippine church. And he was telling them, I, I'm praying this regularly for you all that you would sense what is vital. And it occurred to me that if Paul was, by the Spirit, was sensing that he needed to pray this for the Philippine church, it's because a lot of us don't naturally do that. Right? Wouldn't you say if he had to pray it, it's because oftentimes, even the ones of us that, you know, love church, love, you know, love God, we, we, we love Jesus, we're, we, we love to worship him, we understand his love for us, we've received him. Even those ones of us, sometimes we can miss it in certain areas where we're not sensing what is vital. Just because we sense what's vital in one area doesn't mean we sense what's vital in every area. And so Paul is praying this for the Philippine church because he understands, I know that you need this. I know that you, uh, I know that you need to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent. Not everything that we approve and prize is, is what God calls excellent. We have to learn what does God think about this thing that I value so much in my life. How is this thing that I put so much time into, so much effort into, so much value, how, that I give so much value in my life, how does God perceive that for me? Wow. Is it excellent in his eyes? Yeah. Right? Don't we have to, we have to look at that. We have to see um, what it is that God thinks about these different things in our lives. So, and then look at this. It says, a proven prize, what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best. We have to learn, we have to train ourselves to recognize the highest and the best. That's not something we're born into, right? When we got born again, y'all awake tonight? When we got born again, the Holy Spirit came on the inside of us and he knows what the highest and the best is for your life. But the Holy Spirit has to enlighten our minds so that we understand what the highest and the best is. Amen. And he enlightens us through, you know, the inward witness by speaking to our spirit, but he enlightens us with the word as well. Amen? And so we need to learn, we need to train ourselves how to sense what is vital. The Passion Translation of this in verse 10, it says, I pray that you would choose the most excellent way of all. There's, a, there's an excellent way. The Aramaic, the original, the Aramaic text says this, that you would choose things that bring contentment. And it's not about, can I say this, uh, contentment uh, based on uh, natural things. This is what heaven calls contentment. You know, God, uh, God I, I wonder, God looks at our lives and he knows the best that he has for us. He knows the fullness of, 
healing and health. He knows the fullness of prosperity. He knows the greatness of his plan. And I, so often he sees us struggling. And, and I, I believe it breaks the father's heart because, because he sees everything that he's made available to us. But so few of us walk in the fullness of that. And uh, so when heaven says, when the word says, choose things that bring contentment, it's talking about what God knows is contentment that he has available for you, right? Amen. So, we, uh, so Paul is praying that, we would, that the church would sense what is vital. We pray that the congregation, that our families, that our friends would sense what is vital. Amen. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. We refer to this scripture a lot, but um, we're going to read it together now. It says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. So what is this scripture telling us? There is a place for you to be where it pleases God. God is pleased with how he has arranged us in the body. Amen. There's somewhere for you to be that, when, that God rejoices, heaven rejoices when we take the place in the body that we are meant to have. It pleases God. And, and it says here, he set the members, every one of them in the body. Listen, I, I don't know. I don't know if we can just look around. You know, you can look around at, at nature, animals, all of that stuff. You can see God's not random. He's very intentional. You know, you think about even just... Um, science and, and you know if you go into I'm not talking about you know how they try to explain away the supernatural but just even these these things that you see you know on documentary stuff like that God is very intentional he's a he's a strategist he's a genius and and you can look at creation and see that just look at you know all of us in the room how is it that we can all look so different and yet so good looking all of us you know it's because it's that's right you see what I did there and that wasn't a faith confession either um, but uh, how is it that that can happen? Because God's very intentional. And so God intentionally set us in the body somewhere as it pleased him. Amen. Now turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. I'm just setting a, a foundation here. Hebrews and chapter 10. Hebrews 10. And verse 25, it says this, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, in the Amplified Classic, it says, Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of sun people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. God's will is for us to be together. God's will is for us to run together. God has, you know, there are two parts to God's plan, we could say this. There's an individual plan that God has for each one of us, but there's a corporate plan that God has. And if we forsake the assembling of ourselves together, we forsake that important part of his plan for our lives. And so God is instructing us, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen? All right, now let's get to what I want to get to, which is Acts chapter 4. 
Acts chapter 4. I'm actually going to read this to you out of the Passion Translation. I find it um, reads a little easier. Acts chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, The teaching and preaching of Peter and John angered the priests, the captain of the temple police, and representatives of the Jewish sect of the Sadducees. So we see here, Peter and John um, are preaching the word of God that sets the captive free. And imagine that, people are getting angry. (laughs) People are, uh, these people, these religious people, these people that are supposed to be the ones around the word, that, that have dedicated their lives to the study of the word and God, they're the ones that are getting upset with them. Um, you know, because these people, they're full of religious devils. And religious devils hate uh, the gospel that will set the captive free. Yeah. And so that, this is what Peter and John have come against. They've, it's, we know this. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers of darkness. And so there are religious spirits that are influencing these priests and causing them to um, act out against Peter and John. Right? Because the devil um, doesn't congratulate us when we make steps forward in God's plan. He, uh, you know, he opposes us. And so we shouldn't be surprised if we come across opposition while doing what God has called us to do. Oh, God, I thought everything, if I follow your plan, I thought everything would be roses and unicorns. No, friends, uh, that's that's not how it works in the plan of God. Not everything is going to be rosy. Not everything is going to be wonderful colors and and feeling the anointing 24-7 and and all of those things. It's not going to be like that necessarily, but God has given us victory. God has given us faith, the measure of faith. That, and that's the victory that overcomes the world, and that's what keeps us. So even in the face of opposition and great tests and trials, we have a way out. Amen. Amen? Amen? We have a way to walk in victory. Thank God for that. And so we continue here. Uh, it says, They were furious that the people were being taught that in Jesus there was a resurrection from the dead. So while Peter and John were still speaking, the Jewish authorities came to the temple courts to oppose them. Unbelievable. They interrupted the service. In verse 3, it says, They had them arrested, and since it was already evening, they kept them in custody until the next day. So so they said, listen, uh, not only are we going to arrest y'all, we're not going to let you finish the service, but we're going to arrest you guys, and we're a little tired, you know, because we've been at it all day. We're very busy. We're just going to keep you in jail overnight. So needless to say, these are not reasonable guys, okay? Uh, Verse uh, 4. Yet there were many in the crowd who believed the message, bringing the total number of men who believed to nearly 5,000. doesn't matter what the devil tries to do to interrupt God's work. God's plan is still going forward. The power of God is moving. People still got saved, right? There's still fruit being born. So we're not moved by opposition because God, listen, God, God is not moved by the trouble that the devil tries to stir up. You know, he's not moved by that kind of thing. We shouldn't be either. Amen. And so the power of God's moving. People are coming to the message. And uh, it took the total number of men who believed to nearly 5,000. What's that? A move of God. I would, wouldn't you call that a move of God? Verse 5. The next day, many Jewish leaders, religious scholars, and elders of the people convened a meeting in Jerusalem. Again, people who have dedicated their life to the study of, of the scrolls of the word. It says, verse 6. Annas the high priest was there with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others who were members of the high priest's family. Uh, 
They made Peter and John stand in front of the council as they questioned them, saying, Tell us by what power and authority have you done these things? And look at verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say Peter started praying in emergency tongues. It doesn't say Peter, realizing that he had not picked up his Bible in years, tried to remember a scripture that he learned in kids' church. It doesn't say Peter realized that he hadn't spent much time with God this week and so quickly began to pray in tongues under his breath. Right? It doesn't say that. But how many of us respond that way when a problem shows up? How many of us haven't done what we needed to do in our, and listen, it's healthy, we're not here to condemn nobody, but it's healthy for us to kind of, it would be better for us to go into things prepared and having spent time preparing ourselves than being faced with an emergency or a crisis and then starting to prepare. Right? That's not, that's not how things work. When a soldier goes into battle, they don't start learning the things that they need to know to be successful in the war on the day that the war starts. They spend their lives preparing for some, for some of them what may never come. Right? They prepare, they prepare, they prepare, they prepare to defend their country, to, to, to work with the, their fellow, fellow troops. Um, but the preparation doesn't start when the war begins. It happens long before. They have to be skillful long before that. Well, when we wage war from that perspective, not because the devil is defeated, you understand, but when we're coming across opposition in our lives, it would behoove us to be prepared before that ever shows up. Amen? So we see here Peter was prepared. Why was he prepared? Because he was filled. Filling equals preparation. If we will be filled and and stay full of the spirit not just you got full one time when you came to church not just we had a holy ghost service last week and the and the the spirit of god was moving and you maybe dance a little bit in your seat oh i'm full now no yesterday's filling does not excuse me yesterday's filling will not satisfy today's living Okay, you got to get full every day. You got to drink from the father, drink from the word, drink from his presence every single day. And Peter did that. And because Peter did that, when questions came his way, when accusations came his way, when he was faced with a problem, he had the right answer in his mouth. Whatever you're filled with will determine whatever answer comes out of you when you're faced with tests and trials. When you're, when, when you're full of worry, that's what's going to come out of you. When you're full of fear, that's what's going to come out of you. When you're full of um, doubt and unbelief, that's what's going to come out of you. Amen. Amen. Make sure, Pastor Nancy says this, make sure whatever you're full of is big enough to save you when you need it. And I mean, you know, mic drop. That's, that, that's, that's the truth. That is the truth of the matter. We got to spend our lives filling ourselves with the right thing. Amen? Because the day will come when we will need it. Amen? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 8, answered, Respected elders and leaders of the people, listen. Are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well then, you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. 
You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. Listen to the boldness. He's preaching to these people. Verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected. And now he has become the cornerstone. There is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. That was, that was the answer of the one who was full of the Holy Spirit. Dominion. That's what comes out when we're full of the Holy Ghost. Authority. Dominion. He wasn't crying. He wasn't complaining. Oh, well, please, if you have it in your heart, let us go. You know, we just want to go home. We have families. We have things. He, did, he, he wasn't whimpering. There wasn't a hesitation in his voice. When, because he had filled himself with the Holy Ghost, the nature of God, the God who he spent time with came out. And what was that nature? Total dominion. They thought that they took him captive, but he was, he was in charge the whole time. Amen. Amen. He wasn't subject to anyone in that moment. Just because, you know, they, had, they may have bound his hands, they may have been holding him, but he was the one who was in total domination. Why? Because he was filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we will fill ourselves continually, regularly with the Holy Spirit, then we won't be subject to the tests and trials that come into our lives. Amen. 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 So verse 13, we're, we're getting to where I'm, I want to get to here in a minute. Just follow, stay with me. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. It's not, train, it's not what you know naturally or mentally that will cause you to have victory. It's the preparation and the training that you do spiritually. You might not be as educated as other people. You might not be as uh, naturally talented as other people. But if you will prioritize filling yourself with the Holy Spirit, God will put you on top. And to the point where people noticed, right? The religious leaders, people who were experts in their field, they took note. Oh, there's something. This, this, they're pretty impressive. You know, I know we, we arrested them and we don't really like them, but this is pretty impressive, right? That's what they're saying. Yeah, um, so they had uh, never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Look at that. We could preach a whole sermon on that one line. The effect that Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Imagine the effect that Jesus will have on us if we will just spend time with him. You say, oh, my personality is, is, is timid and quiet. I, uh, you know, that's fine. You just spend time with Jesus. Oh, I'm, oh I'm, I'm naturally more afraid of everything. You just spend time with Jesus. Oh, I, I think a lot about money. I just, you know, I was trained to, you know, be, you know, cheap or frugal or whatever. Spend time with Jesus. Because the more you spend time with Jesus, the more he shows up in you. Amen. 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 Verse 14, standing there with them was the healed man. And there was nothing further they could say. You can't argue with the power of God. You can't argue with a miracle. And that's what had happened to this man. And so uh, verse 15, 15 excuse me, says, So they ordered them to leave the room while they discussed the matter. Among themselves they said, What should we do with these men? Everyone in Jerusalem can clearly see that they performed a notable sign and wonder. We can't deny that. But to keep this propaganda from spreading any further among the people, let's threaten them severely 
and warned them to never speak to anyone in this name again. I love this. They don't know what they're doing. They, they have totally lost control. They recognize, man, something legitimate happened here. But we still don't like the idea of this Jesus. We don't like the idea of what they're preaching. So let's, let's just give them a stern warning. You know, let's, let's, put, let's put some fear into them is what they're thinking, you know? And so, verse, so they're satisfied with this discussion that they've had amongst themselves. And so verse 18 says, So they had them brought back in before the council, and they commanded them to never teach the people or speak again using the name of Jesus. But again, remember, Peter is full of the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John replied, You can judge for yourselves. Is it better to listen to you or to God? It's impossible for us to stop speaking about all the things we've seen and heard. They basically said, sorry, man, this, this, you know, I appreciate what you're saying. Appreciate what you're doing. Ain't going to fly for me. Okay. And verse 21, since the members of the council couldn't come up with a crime they could punish them for, they threatened them once more and let them go. <laughs> you know, the devil may try to interrupt what God is doing, but he can never succeed. He can never succeed. If we'll take our place and we'll fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. See, the devil takes advantage of people that won't live full. Not because, um, it's because our lack of fullness gives him an advantage over us. But when we live full, we live in that place of advantage over him. Amen? And so Peter and John, uh, they've just experienced a great victory, wouldn't you say? It was a great test and trial. No doubt there was pressure mentally. They were in jail. They had to come before the religious leaders, the, you know, the, the polit- political people. You know, they had to come before all of them. But it was a great victory they experienced. It says, all the people praised God, thrilled over the miraculous healing of the crippled man. And the man who received this miracle sign of healing was over 40 years old. But let's go to verse 23. It says, as soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. If we look at this in the King James, there's, there's this word that I want to draw out. In, in Acts 4 and verse 23, it says, And being let go, they went to their own company. They went to their own company and reported all that the chiefs, uh, right, the, excuse me, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. So we see here, Peter and John were faced with trouble. They were, and... You know, they had understood, yes, it was a great victory, but the priests and the religious people had basically informed them, we're not in agreement with what you're doing here. And if they were to uh, keep persisting, which they were going to do, um, you know, that could cause some trouble for them down the road. And so what is it that Peter and John did? They went to their own company. And this is what I want to emphasize with you all tonight. It's when we're faced with trouble, when we're faced with victory, when we're faced with um, great opposition or persecution, Peter and John understood something that very few Christians out there in the scope of things do. And that is they needed to get with their company. They needed to be with the people that God had assigned them to. Because if they were going to get total victory in that area, they needed to be around other people like faith. Notice it didn't say, and being let go, they went to therapy. (laughs) And being let go, they went home to bed because they were tired. 
They had just come from jail. And Bean went home, you know, they went back to work. It doesn't say any of that. It says immediately, the first place. It was, it was uh, like a, um, it, w it was just commonplace in their mind. It was just, they, they knew that they had to do it. I got to be with my company. I got to get around the people that uh, God has set me with. They understood something about the power of company. And we need to understand something about the power of company. When we come across victories in our lives, when we come across great tests and trials in our lives, things that we're, where we're feeling drained, we're feeling tired, we're feeling uh, depressed, we're feeling dejected, that's not the time to isolate ourselves or separate ourselves from the local church. Oh, you know, maybe, you know, you've ever thought this thought, oh, I just, I'm too tired to go to church tonight. Someone who understands the power of company understands that if I'm feeling tired or weary, church is exactly where I need to be. I need to be in the place where I can get my answers. I need to be under the office that God has assigned to me. I need to be around my brethren. Because listen, it's, yes, we are, we are together connected to the same office. We're connected to Pastor Craig and we need his office. But we need each other. We need the fellowship of the brethren. We need to be around like-minded people. We need to recharge ourselves with one another. We can't run our races alone. And Peter and John understood that. They understood. I need, they said to themselves, I need to get around my people. Because if I can get around my people, then I can get around God's power. There is a measure of power that we can never achieve or access on our own. We can't get it. We can get the presence of God when we worship him at home in our bedrooms or in your vehicles or wherever you are. You can sense his presence. You can fellowship with him. But we can never tap into the corporate anointing on our own. Right? Amen? There is something that happens when we all come together in unity, in one accord, and we're worshiping, we're responding to what the Holy Spirit... Things happen in that kind of a flow. And that under that kind of anointing, that wouldn't happen. Things move quicker yes. when we get into that place. And it's because we've come together in, into our company. And when we come into our company, uh, uh, really the power of God can move for us in a way that it couldn't otherwise. Amen? In the original language, that word company, I love, I love what it says here. It says, the word company means the place that is one's own. Or the place that belongs to a person. So when, so when they're saying they went to their own company, they were saying the place that was their own. The place where they belonged. They belonged with the brethren. Congregation, if God has called you to submit to Pastor Craig and he is your pastor, you belong here. This place is your own. You fit here. It also means this. Uh, the word company means the place you have been assigned to that is suitable for you. It's suitable for you. We, remember we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God has set each one of us in the body as it pleases Him. Well, the place where God has set you is the place that is suitable for you. It's the place where you fit. It's the place where you belong. And why do you belong there? You belong there because God put you there. It was His will for you to be there. Our belonging to the place that God's called us is not dependent on how we feel in the moment. 
It's not dependent on, you know, what somebody says to us in the hallway that we didn't appreciate. It's not dependent on what, uh, what, what even the pastor says in the pulpit that might offend your sensibilities. It's not about that. It's about where did God, where does God want me? Where's the will of God for me to be? That's the place that is suitable for me. That's the place where I belong. That's the place where I fit. And if I'm feeling like I don't fit, if I'm feeling like I'm not connected, I'm feeling like uh, I don't belong there, it's not because the will of God changed. Now, we follow ministers as they follow Christ. So if there's a change from how a minister is following Christ, then yes, God could lead us out. It may have been his will for us to start there, but we know this about Pastor Craig. That's not happening. And so <laughs> that's not happening here. So um, if, if we're feeling that way, it's because that's a device of the enemy to try and rob us or remove us from the place that God has set us. And we need to recognize that. Or we need to change something about ourselves that might be bucking against that. Can I put it this way to you? Um, Corinne, Corinne and I, we had moved into our, our new place last year, and, and so, you know, at our previous place, we, we didn't have enough room for a Christmas tree, but when we got into this place, we did. And so, um, you know, Corinne especially was very thrilled about putting up the Christmas tree, got her little Pinterest stuff, you know, very excited about that. And so... Um, come November, we set up the Christmas tree, and uh, you know, uh, I'm, I don't believe in all of this real stuff. I don't. I, I'm an artificial tree kind of guy. Um, you know, smells all of that. Anyways, I, it's not. It doesn't bless my. It doesn't bless me. So um, we got ourselves an artificial tree, put it together. Came in the box, you know, and uh, put it together. Set it all up. It was. It was lovely. It was nice. So set that up in November-ish. Um, then by the time we came back from Holy Ghost meetings, we realized, oh, this thing is still up. And it's, it's mid-January now. Like, we were, like, the only people on, the, on our street with the Christmas lights still up. It's like, it's time. It, it's time to get rid of these. So we finally got around taking down the Christmas lights and taking down the Christmas tree. And so I was, uh, I had to get the box out of, because we, we have it in our in storage, and so I got the box out of storage and brought it up, and um, Corinne had left, left the tree and basically said, brother, you dismantled this thing, because I don't know how to <laughs> sort all that out, and so I had to, you know, I put it, I put it together, and I had to figure out where the thing was that I unhooked and whatever, so I'm unhooking the tree, and uh, I'm putting it in the box, and uh, it's the box that the tree came in, and uh, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the box, and I'm thinking to myself, did this box shrink? Like, is this the box that the tree came in? And so I'm, because I, I had put in, like, it was in three pieces. I put in two pieces, and that thing was full. And I said, no, something's not right here. Something, I'm pretty sure this is the box that I had taken the tree out of. But I only got two pieces in here, and I can't fit the third. Something's not right. And so I'm, I, you know... Corinne is in the kitchen doing something. Uh, she got her back turned to me. And so I'm like pushing this <laughs> tree into the box. I'm jamming it in there. I'm like, one way or another, this thing is closing. Um, because I, I'm not, you know. And so I'm jamming it in and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like hyperventilating because I'm, uh, you know, putting so much effort into this thing. And, and that thing just would not close. 
And so finally, I just gave up, and I'm like, mm, let me see. We didn't have any tape around, so I'm just like, let me just kind of close it. And then I'll go put it, you know, down in storage. And so we, we you know, we got there. Thank God. It, you know, we got there, and it, it was okay. Put it into storage. But this is what I want you to notice about this. The box that the tree came in uh, was the same box that it came out of, right? We could say this. It belonged in that box. Um, the box didn't change. But the tree changed. And the tree was being rebellious. And the tree, <laughs> the tree was modified from when it had started. And I had to, you know, I would have had to go in and like bend all of the branches and all that. I don't got time for all that. Okay? But, but the tree had been modified, not the box. The box was the place that it belonged. But if the tree was going to get into the box successfully, the tree would have had to be adjusted, moved. And listen, when you get into a local church, it's, it's, it, you know, you're, you're all fine. Everything's roses. We, oh, this is a perfect fit for me. I'm so thrilled that I'm here in this wonderful local church. You know, everybody's great. But over time, things happen. Over time, suddenly people that were so sweet and friendly to you might not be that pleasant. Over time... You might hear something and it grates on you in a way that you didn't realize it's grating on you. And what's happening there? You're the tree, but slowly the limbs are starting to pop out. And you're not as perfect fit as you once were. But can I say this, congregation? We have to fight for the fit. We have to fight to remain fitting. Not because we don't fit anymore and, and God's changes mind or, or changes will, but because opposition comes and the feeling of, oh, I don't know if I belong here anymore. I can't find my fit anymore. I don't, you know, maybe you have friends that have left the church and you don't have any more friends. You know, uh, th no, that's a, that's a thing that can happen over time. You know, I, 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 this person that I really liked didn't go to the church anymore. Or this person that I really liked, you know, cursed me out in the parking lot and, and told me that I parked really badly. Or, you know, or, or this person that I, you know, I thought was my friend, I heard them saying this about me. Listen, over time, what's happening? Those branches, offense can come in, familiarity can come in, and it keeps us out of that. Not it keeps us out, but it, it makes us feel like we don't fit anymore. But we have to remind ourselves, I fit not because of how I feel, but I fit because God told me that I fit. I fit because this is where God sent me in the body. And so uh, that's what the word company means. It means the place you have been assigned that is suitable for you. You fit here. Peter and John return to the place that they fit. They return to where uh, the place that God had put them that was suitable for them because they needed his power. For the situation. And so we, we see, if you keep reading in this chapter, they gathered together. Peter and John reported to all of the people what had happened. And the first thing that happened was they started to pray. That's what you need. When you're faced with um, opposition, when you're faced with persecution, don't go to somebody that's not going to direct you to the right thing. Don't go to somebody that's going to complain with you. Oh, I can't believe that happened to you. you th that's not what you need. Oh, you poor thing. That's not what you need. I feel so bad for you. No, you don't need somebody to feel bad for you. You need somebody that's going to lead you to your answer. Prioritize fellowship that will lead you to your answer. You know, instead of people that will 
make your feelings, you know, get you in the feels. <laughs> we need people. Some, listen, and all of us have been there where we're, you know, down in the dumps. Oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, like feeling sorry for ourselves. But those, the people that you need in your life are the ones that are going to get you out of that place. Kick your butt into gear. What's the matter with you? Quit complaining. Stop crying. You know, we got victory. That's what you need in your life. Amen. And so we have a responsibility to one another. The people, when they gathered together, they prayed. They, they uh, brought a supply of prayer, of faith yes. to Peter and John. They handled this in the spirit. And then we see there when they got together and when they prayed and when they started, you know, uh, worshiping and praising God. Then the Bible says the whole building was shaken where they were. You know, we come to services, we have a Holy Ghost service and you get hands laid on you uh, for healing or something like that. And you can feel the, the anointing of God going out of Pastor Craig's hand into your body. You shake a little bit. You think, oh, my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. But it's one thing when your body shakes, but it's another thing when the whole building, the whole foundation where they were, the entire structure was shaking under the power of God. But why, why did that happen? Because they were with the people that they belonged to. They were with in the place that was suitable for them. And the people that had gathered were all in unity and in one accord. And then the power of God demonstrated itself. What would happen if we did that, church? What would happen if we got together? And, and instead of, you know, coming in grumbling, instead of coming in thinking about other places that I, all the things I could be doing and the, the people I could be talking to, instead of thinking about your bed. Oh, I miss my bed. You know, thinking about the shape of your pillow and how it's just right for your head. You know, instead of thinking about all that, thinking about what kind of pajamas you're going to wear when you get into your bed. You know, thinking about what am I going to eat after this? You know, now I know you've all thought that. I, I, yeah, I might have been a little off with the bed thing, but I know you, some of you are thinking about it right now. Now that I've said it, oh yeah, that sounds good. Right? What if we came in unity in one accord? What if we came thinking about nothing but the plan? Contending for God's best in a service. Contending so that not just you receive your miracle, but the person beside you receives their miracle. What if we did that? I'll tell you what would happen. The glory of God would show up. Amen? We have a responsibility to one another when we come together. I, I want to read you a list of things here. The Bible talks about different things that believers are to do to one another. And uh, this is what we should do with our company. And so it says this, God wants us to serve one another. He wants us to, the, this is what the Bible says, greet one another. It says comfort one another. Care for one another. Instruct one another. Welcome one another. Love one another. That's a big one. And that's not just listed one time. That's multiple times. Right? Show kindness to one another. Oh, well, I can love them by faith, but I don't know about this kindness thing. We need to do that too. Amen. Live in harmony with one another. Submit to one another. Teach and admonish one another. Encourage one another. Do good to one another. Exhort one another, stir up one another, confess our sins to one another, show hospitality to one another. I'm going really fast. You're going to have to watch back on live stream if you want to write this down. Sorry. Um, clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. The Bible says that? Sure does. 
fellowship with one another. So we see that's what the word, um, that's how the word identifies how companies should behave. When we come together, this is what we should be doing. Right? How does the world behave? Well, the world passes judgment on one another. The world compares themselves with one another. The world provokes one another. The world uh, envies one another, lies to one another, hates one another, speaks evil about one another, grumbles against one another. You know, that's what the world does. But, and so we have to make sure we're not letting the spirit of the world into the church. The, how does the church behave? If, we will, if we'll do those things, what are we doing? We're valuing company and we're creating an atmosphere that is conducive for God to do things in our midst, to heal, to, to deliver. Amen? Amen. Company is so important. Company, uh, basically, if we, when you hear this long list of things that God wants to do, another, we can sum it up by saying this. We need each other. You need the people that are sitting in this room. You need them to bring their supply. You need them to uh, run the race that God has for all of us. We need each other. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 1, you don't have to turn there, but uh, in the Message Bible, it says this. It says, loners who care only for themselves spit on the common good. (laughs) Loners who care only for themselves spit on the common good. What does that mean? It's good for us to be together. It's good for us to not be alone. This whole, oh, it's okay, I'll be fine with just me and Jesus, that, that is not going to help you move forward in God's best. If you, if you have adapted that mentality, you are excusing yourself from a measure of power that God has available to us. When we forsake the gathering of ourselves together, we forsake God's power that can help us. Amen? And so it's so important that we get together with our company and that we understand that when we're getting together, when we're coming to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whenever the doors are open, prayer meeting, I'm coming together with my company. I'm coming to the place where I belong. I'm coming to the place. And yes, the devil will try and make you feel like that's not the case anymore. You will feel at times or, or, you know, everybody gets there. Where you feel, where the devil tries to tempt us to leave the place that God's called us to. Where suddenly the place that we knew in our hearts was home. The place that we knew we were meant to be. That we had a supply to bring to that place. That suddenly doesn't feel like that anymore. But you have to remind yourself, what's God's will? Did God set me here? And if God set me here, then I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to budge. I'll set my face like flint. I will not Move from the place God has for me. I will not remove myself from the company where I belong. Uh, A few things here. What does company do for you? And we'll close with this. Uh, What is company meant to do with you? Your company is the place where you are loved and accepted for who you are. We celebrate each other's differences, not criticize them. Amen. And, and, and look at, we, we can look at different people and just see the diversity of God and, and how wonderful and how big and how great he is. But we have to learn, even the people that don't maybe bless us as much, that uh, company is meant to be a safe place. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. Gossip is unsafe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Gossip injures the body. 
And so when we participate in that type of thing, we're participating in injuring the body of Christ. And God takes that personally. He doesn't like that. Number two, your company is a place where you can receive a supply and bring a supply. You have, uh, you have a job to do here. You, the, the local church is a family. The company is a family. We all have a part to play in its success. And so you have a supply to bring, but you also have a supply to receive. Amen? Your company is a place where you are encouraged to live a life of faith, just like Peter and John did. You know, they, just like the company did when they got together, immediately they prayed. They didn't give them an opportunity to get in the flesh and say, oh, well, you, brothers, you've really been through it, haven't you? Oh, well, well that, that jail cell must not have been comfortable. Oh, well, brother, you know, you kind of smell funny. Did you go home? Like, they didn't, they didn't say any of that. They were leading them, pointing them to the answer, which was faith. Amen? Your company is a place where you can be strengthened to keep going when tests and trials come up. This is what we do when we get together. This is why God has given us a place to come together. It's so that we can, uh, we can, of course, gather together in unity and in one accord and worship him. And so we can hear the word that is our answer. But if we will refresh ourselves with the power of company uh, and with the, uh, the revelation that, oh, when I get there, when I get into the place where I belong, the power of God will move for me in a way that I can't get it to move on my own. Not diminishing the, the faithfulness to God in the private time. Right? I'm not doing that. We should be faithful to God in the private time. We should spend time with him. We should spend time in the word regularly. But when I come together with my brethren, God's going to move in a way that uh, is heightened. Amen? Amen. 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 If we'll come and we'll do that and we will um, come with our faith mixed with that understanding, we'll see greater things happen in our midst. Amen? And listen, that's where God's taking us. That's, what, that's the kind of flow that uh, the glory center will require of us. It's an understanding of company. It's an understanding of being in unity and in one accord and not letting things come, uh, come to interrupt that flow of unity. Amen? Well, Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, for our company. Thank you for the place that we belong. Thank you, Father, for... Um, for assigning us to run with the people in this church, for assigning us to this wonderful office that you have given to Pastor Craig and Pastor Jenny. We're so grateful, Lord. And Father, we will be faithful to our company. We will do our part not to uh, injure our company, but to be a blessing. And to also mix our faith with the understanding that we have a company we have a place where we belong, and we won't remove ourselves from it. In Jesus' name, amen.